Good morning, everybody. My name is Steve Aaron. I have the pleasure of serving as a shepherd here on staff, and uh, we certainly want to hope that you had a Merry Christmas. Thank you. And uh, we're thankful that you decided to be here this morning to end uh, 2023. I know we're all looking forward to a happy new year and we're thankful that you're uh, here with us. Uh, Real quickly, if there is anybody here for the first time, would you please slip your hand up? Uh, We have our welcome team that's coming down the aisle. If you're here from out of town or uh, here visiting family or you just decided to drop in before uh, the the new year starts, uh, we're... Uh, happy that you're here. We'd love to give you a gift. It's a little, uh, inside the gift will be a notebook uh, for our Mark journal. Next week, uh, as a church body, we'll be uh, picking up our study in Mark. Uh, And so in there, you'll have a journal that you can take notes. Uh, There's some information about our church. Uh, You can scan the QR code. Uh, I think there's a candy cane in there and a couple of other things. But uh, if this is your first time here, or maybe you haven't been here in a long time, Uh, You can raise your hands and uh, we'll uh, give those to you. I want to encourage all of us um, as we leave today before the hustle and bustle of the new year, uh, before uh, family and friends and the countdown tonight, uh, to take a couple of minutes and think about how uh, God has blessed us in 2023. Now, whether you're soaring on eagle's wings, as they say, into 2024, or you're crawling on your hands and knees hoping to make the finish line from 2023, whether it's been a good year or a bad year, I think we can all say, as the song we just sang said, that uh, God's goodness has followed after us. And I would encourage you to take some time and think about what God uh, has taught you through this year, and also consider what God might have for you in 24. Uh, Maybe God would have you to take a step of faith financially or uh, take a step here at the church and volunteering. As uh, Amy mentioned, uh, we have always have needs in the nursery. Uh, Our middle school and high school ministry uh, has needs or special needs uh, and other ministries. Uh, Or maybe just being a part of the church body is that next step. Uh, We have small groups starting up in a couple of weeks. Uh, We have uh, following Jesus class coming up. We have men's and women's ministries always going on. Uh, Various ways that we can be involved. And I would encourage you to prayerfully consider today uh, what God might have for you in 24. Now, one way that we are doing it as a, as a church body, you'll see in the back seat uh, in front of you, we have this uh, read mark uh, bookmark. As I mentioned before, next week we're gonna be picking up as a church body uh, the book of Mark. Uh, I think we are, we're starting in Mark chapter eight. And what we've done, we've created this uh, bookmark for us because we wanna encourage you uh, as you come each Sunday to read the passage uh, before you come. And in the back of the bookmark, there's some questions uh, for you to ask. You can uh, reflect on the, on the verses that you're reading. You can see how they apply to you. Uh, but I would encourage you, whether it's tonight to prepare for next Sunday or maybe even uh, Saturday night, or if you're like me when I do homework, if you do it right before you get here, uh, then you can uh, be prepared prepared for, uh, for next Sunday. And so I would encourage you to do that. Uh, they're right in, in front of you in the seat backs, uh, and you can take that with you, and we can be prepared for next uh, Sunday as we pick up Mark. I love this time of year, uh, like I'm sure all of us do. Uh, it starts around Thanksgiving when you know the holidays are here. Uh, you have your friends, uh, your friends giving dinners and your Thanksgiving dinners, and there's just something in the air about the holidays. Uh, you drive around town and you see uh, lights that are lit up, uh, houses that are lit up, and uh, there's the, the malls are packed and there's sales and uh, p- fr- uh, friends and family are coming into town, and hopefully that's a good thing. Uh, and 
you have Christmas and you open the presents and then, and then we get to New Year's. And with New Year's, there's just a sense of renewal. We're excited because we're shedding off the old skin of 2023 and we're starting fresh in 2024. And often what, you, what you'll hear is somebody will say that this is the year that I'm gonna, and then fill in the blank. And there's a sense of hope that we bring into the new year because we know that when the ball drops tonight and it hits zero, we've started fresh. There's almost what we could say, a sense of hope. We have hope because we get to start fresh and we get to uh, uh, do the things that that we hope that we are going to do. But I remember reading a year ago, actually, uh, on an online article, it had said that 80% of New Year's resolutions fail after the second week. Because what happens is that newness of the new year starts to wear off. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to remember, all the lights are going to come down. Our our holiday, our our Christmas vacations are over. We go back to school, we go back to work, uh, back to the grind Monday through Friday and uh, just working to hope that the weekend comes. We remember that it gets dark at five o'clock and so by the time we get home, it's already uh, time, it feels like it's already time to to, to go to bed. And we often lose the hope that we had when the new year started. Football's about to end soon and that's, that's a travesty every year. And what happens is when we lose that hope, we lose our resolutions and everything, we just get back into the grind. Oftentimes as Christians, we kind of feel that same thing. But how do we as followers of Jesus, as children of God, how do we continue our hope even past the new year uh, uh, emotion and even past uh, everything that comes along with that What do we as Christians hope for? This morning what I wanna uh, look at and the verses that we read, uh, Connor read in verse three that all of us who are children of God have hope and we'll get to there in a minute but I wanna lay the foundation, what is biblical hope? Because we often use the word, the way we use the word hope, it it often waters it down uh, to give us the true meaning. For example, I might tell you that uh, I hope that it it doesn't rain this week. Or I hope in 2024 I win the lottery. Or uh, you might be thinking in in resolutions, I hope this year I get uh, that promotion that I really wanted. Or I've said this before, I am a huge Detroit Lions fan. Wow, there's one. Man, I tell you, it's actually like like seeing Bigfoot. You think, wow, they they do exist. I thought I was the only one. When I was a, and I've been a, I've been a Detroit Lions fan since I was uh, since I was a boy back at, from the '90s when Barry Sanders was their running back, and I can remember as a little boy I'd sit there and I'd say to myself, "I hope the Detroit Lions win the Super Bowl." And then I got a little bit older in teenage and college years, and I was a little bit wiser, and I thought, "Man, I hope the Detroit Lions make the playoffs." And then I got gray hair, and I got a little bit more wise, and I thought to myself, "Man, I hope the Detroit Lions win a game." Because if you know the Lions, in 2008, they, uh, they didn't even win a game, and I, I was still their fan. And yes, I know, last week they just clinched their first title in 30 years. I tell you, don't tell me God doesn't answer prayer. <laughs> but 
what I am really saying, if when we're hoping that, that it rains or hoping that, it, that we win the lottery or hoping for this or that or hoping that the Detroit Lions win, what we're really saying, it's, it's, it's a sense of uncertainty. It's almost like we're crossing our fingers and really just hoping that something happens, but we're really wishing for it. But when the Bible mentions the word hope, it is not a sense of uncertainty. It is not us crossing our fingers and hoping that something will happen. The biblical definition, as uh, Darren mentioned a couple of weeks ago, we define it as a confident expectation. We are confident and we are expecting that something is gonna happen. For example, Titus chapter two tells us that we have the hope of Christ's return. Now, we don't hope that Christ would return. We might hope it would, it, was to, it would be today, but we are confident and we are expecting that one of these days, Christ is gonna return. We know the hope of a resurrected body. We aren't uh, wishing that it would come one day. We are confident and we are expecting that one of these days, we will have a resurrected body. So when the Bible mentions the word hope, what it is telling us is that we can be confident in expecting that what is being mentioned will happen. But why do we have hope? Before we get to what our hope is, why do we have hope? John tells us in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, which we read, he says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason we can have hope this morning is because God loves us. Now, John says, see the love of God. That word see, uh, the disciples used that when they were walking with Jesus into the Jerusalem, and they say, Lord, look at all these tall buildings. In other words, they admire the love of God. Uh, if you were to fly into uh, Manhattan or take a drive by downtown LA, oftentimes you'll look at these tall buildings and you admire the, the beauty of the lights being on and the buildings being so tall, or you see something beautiful and you don't just take a glance of it and put it aside, you often look look at it and inspect it. What John is saying is that we ought to see, to behold, to admire the love that God has for us. Now we as Christians, we know that God is love. Uh, John will say that in in a chapter later. And the love of God kind of becomes something that we're used to knowing about. We sing about it, we read about it, we hear about it, and we often become so used to it that we forget the fact that God actually loves us. A couple of weeks ago, uh, here on staff, some of the guys were talking about, uh, we had our um, end of year Spotify playlist and they were talking about the artists that were their number top 10. And they asked me, they said, hey, Steve Aaron, what, what's your top 10? And I said, man, you know, I have, I have a three-year-old son. My top 10 is Coco Melon, Paw Patrol, uh, Disney, uh, the Bare Necessities. If you, and I can't even get in the car without my son asking for one of these songs. So if you ever see me at a red light with a dead look in my eye, look in the back. My son's probably singing his lungs out. But a couple of weeks ago, it was quiet in my car and I hear from the back, uh, I hear from the um, car seat, Jesus loves me, this I know. Now I'm so thankful for our preschool uh, here, our preschool staff, they do such a great job. Miss Angie, Miss Kelly's his teacher, uh, Miss Lucy and all, and all of them, they're just amazing. He had said that Miss Lucy had taught him that song. And I thought to myself as he was singing, I was so proud that he was singing Jesus Loves Me, but I thought to myself, gosh, I was two or three years old too when, when I learned that song. So for 38 or 39 years, I've been singing Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. And I'm sure all throughout this room this morning, 
You've, you, you too have known about the love of God or maybe you're new here and, and you've just heard about the love of God. The, lo- the God is love because he comes such uh, a second nature to us that we forget the fact that God actually loves us. And John says we ought to behold the fact that God loves us, admire the fact that God would love us. Now he says, see what kind of love the Father has given to us. What kind of love has God loved us with? We can uh, go to Mark chapter eight. We know the story. The disciples and Jesus are crossing the sea and a violent storm comes upon the boat. And the Bible tells us that, I mean, you can imagine the waves tossing the boat to and fro. And the Bible tells us that the disciples, they think their life is about to end. The storm is so violent that they think they're going to die. And you can imagine them probably trying to throw water out of the boat, trying to do anything to survive. And they rush down to the bottom of the boat and Jesus is asleep. And they go to Jesus and they say, Jesus, how could you be sleeping amidst this storm? We're about to die. And Jesus comes up from the bottom of the boat and he says, peace, be still. And it's silent. The clouds dissipate, the rain disappears. The sea is like a, is serene like a piece of glass. The only uh, uh, ripples in the water being from the, uh, from the boat sailing to the shore. And Mark chapter eight tells us that the, the disciples look at Jesus and they say, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the seas obey him. What kind? In other words, who is this guy? This guy is amazing, spectacular, unbelievable, indescribable. Who who could stand up and calm the winds and the, the seas? That's the same word that John uses when he says, see what kind of love God has given to us. What kind? Uh, John says it's undescribable love. It's unbelievable love. No one can explain the love that God has for each and every one of us. We think about some of the, of the verses throughout scripture. Romans chapter five says, but God shows his love for us. How? in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friend. First John three sixteen. by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. First John 4, 9, in this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his son into the world. Of course, we know John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, as Darren said last week, that love caused him to give his only begotten son. Ephesians chapter three, Paul wants us to know what is the breadth and length and height and depth, the fullness of the love of God. We can have hope this morning because God looked down and he loved every single one of us that sits in this room today. And we ought not to love that, uh, we ought not to let that love go. As the songwriter says, amazing love, how can it be that thou my God wouldst die for me? Now, what was the purpose of God's love? John tells us, see what kind of love the Father has given to us for this purpose, that we should be called children of God. God desires that we would become his children. 
Last week we celebrated Christmas. Galatians chapter four tells us that uh, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, and in uh, verse six it says, so that we might receive adoption as sons. The reason Jesus came, the reason God sent forth his son, Galatians tells us, is so that we would become his children. And that is exactly what John says that we are. We can celebrate this morning as we go into the new year that we have been loved by God and he loved us so much that he wanted to make us his children. Now, we have hope because God loves us. But what is our hope as children of God? Verse two of 1 John chapter three says this. Beloved, we are God's children now. In other words, you can count on it that we are God's children. And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. The hope that God gives us, the hope that we hold on to this morning is the fact that one of these days we are gonna see Christ face to face and we are going to be just like him. I grew up uh, here in La Mirada. My dad was a huge Lakers fan, and so I became one as well. I'm not talking about these LeBron James, Anthony Davis, got to make a super team to win a championship Lakers. I'm not talking about the Shaq and Kobe, couldn't get along, should have won eight championships, but only won three Lakers. I'm talking about the real Lakers. The 1980 Showtime Lakers. They had uh, Magic Johnson and his no-look passes. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in his skyhook, James Worthy in his all-around good play, uh, Michael Cooper with his high socks and he'd shoot the threes, Byron Scott in his slam dunks, Kurt Rambis, you had Chick, uh, Chick Hearn and Stu Nance calling the games, the, the Laker girls on the side and the, and the, the, uh, fan, the, the they had celebrities in the, in the stands. It was showtime. But when I turned eight years old in 1990, a, a strange thing happened. My mom, who is not a, a basketball fan, she gave me for my birthday, it, was, it came in a box and then a long tube. And I opened up the box and I pulled out a red, white, and black Chicago Bulls t-shirt. <laughs> now, I, you know, I'd seen them on TV. I didn't know much about them. I opened up the side of the, of the tube and I pulled out a poster. And on that poster was a man soaring through the air. He had number, it said Bulls, number 23, and his tongue was sticking out. He had these really shiny shoes on, and he was, it was, he was doing a slam dunk, and on the bottom it said, Michael Air Jordan. Now, little did my mom know that when she gave me that gift, she was starting an obsession that honestly goes till this day. Now, this was before internet and Instagram where you could just look up your athletes that you like. Uh, this was back, there was, there were, uh, I think Michael Jordan was probably the first global superstar, but I could remember everything about my life became about Michael Jordan. All my yellow and gold, uh, purple and gold from the Lakers was gone, and now it was all Chicago Bulls. And soon, I started to look like Michael Jordan. If he wore Nike, well, a little bit. If he wore, <laughs> gosh. I wish. If he wore Nike, I wore Nike. If he ate McDonald's, I ate McDonald's. If he was on the Weedy Box, I had the Weedy Box. If he drank Gatorade, I drank Gatorade. I heard that he uh, shaved his head on Tuesdays and on Thursdays, and I had a buzz cut at the time, and I would buzz my head on Tuesdays and Thursdays. When I played basketball, I'd stick my tongue out. I would tug on my shorts like he did. Everything that Michael Jordan did, I had to do. 
And, and, and it continues this day. In fact, my son who's in the nursery, his name is Isaiah Jordan. Isaiah from the Bible, his middle name is Jordan. And <laughs> if, you were to, if you were to see him this morning, he honestly, he wears his Jordans on Sundays. He has them on this morning. Okay, it continues to this day. And in 1992, Michael Jordan was probably at the height of his popularity. He had just won his second championship uh, and he was going on the dream team. They were going to Barcelona. That was the first time the NBA players were uh, playing in the Olympics. And Gatorade came out with a commercial that year. It's actually been voted recently the greatest uh, sports commercial of all time. It's all these little kids gathered around Michael Jordan and he's holding the ball. He's playing with them. He's holding the ball. They're trying to jump up and take it away from him. And he's playing uh, hoops with some guys in another scene. And the theme song of that commercial is, I want to be like Mike. Be like Mike. That was all I wanted to do. Now, I hate to break it to you, I never became like Michael Jordan. If you were to watch me play basketball this morning, there's actually a couple of men here that have played with me on Monday nights in our league. If you were to watch me play basketball, you'd know I'm not Michael Jordan. If you were to tell me to dunk uh, right now and gave me a thousand tries, you'd know I'm not Michael Jordan. If you were to see my bank account this morning, you would definitely know I'm not Michael Jordan. No matter what I did, I never became like Mike. But I got good news for us this morning. John tells us in the text that we read this morning that one of these days, we are going to see Christ eye to eye, face to face, and we are going to be just like him. And, the, and John says, we don't know what that's going to be like. He says, we can't even describe it right now. We just know that we're going to be like him. And we don't have to drink Gatorade or eat McDonald's or wear Nike or buzz our heads or do anything like that. We don't have to do a thing. Why? Because verse one says that God loved us enough to make us his children. He's already done it for us. And we can be assured of the fact that one of these days we are going to see Christ and we are going to be just like him. And so I and we no longer have to sing, I want to be like Mike. Now we sing, I'm going to be like Christ. That is the hope that we hold on to this morning. As we go into 2024, our hope is not in New Year's resolutions. Our hope is not in a job uh, promotion. Our hope is not in starting a family. Our hope is not, though all of those things are good, our hope is built, as the songwriter says, on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. And that is the hope that we carry with us this morning. Now, we know that we have hope because God loved us so much he wanted us to make us his children. We know that our hope is that one of these days we are going to be like Christ. Now, how do we take that hope with us into 24 and into the rest of our lives? Notice what John says in verse three. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. John says since we are going to be like Christ in the future, we ought to be as Christ is now. Now, if you're a Bible marker, I'd encourage you uh, to, to underline this. If you notice at the end of verse two, he says, we shall see him as he is. Then he says in verse three, we purify ourselves, we purify ourselves as he is pure. In other words, what he is saying is that 
we are going to be as he is in the future, we ought to be as he is in the present. We ought to be as he is in day to day. We think of other verses uh, that John says, 1 John chapter 2, verse 6, the one who says he remains in him should walk just as he walked. 1 John chapter 3, verse 7, whoever practices righteousness as, is righteous as he is righteous. 1 John 4, 17, as he is, so are we in this world. And what he is talking about is the fact that we are going to see Christ one of these days, and so we ought to live like Christ here on this earth now. I think about my sisters. I have four older sisters uh, and a younger brother. Three of my sisters are married. And I could remember when uh, they got engaged, the excitement that, we ha- that they had here in the, the, there in the house. And strange thing happened after they got engaged, though. All of a sudden, there was no more sodas in the house and no more carbs. My sisters are getting up early to work out. There's a, there's a countdown uh, calendar in their room and every day they would pull it off to count down the day until they were gonna get married. And man, when they walked down that aisle, they looked so beautiful. They had worked, why? Because they knew a day was coming when the groom who had given them a ring, a promise, they knew there was gonna come a day when they would walk down the aisle and they would be married to their groom. And we as Christians who are called the bride of Christ have that same promise that one of these days, so to speak, we are gonna walk down the aisle and see our groom. And so until that time comes, we ought to prepare ourselves. We ought to purify ourselves. We ought to live the way that Christ lived. Now notice how he says, everyone who has this hope. This is all inclusive. We don't get to, unfortunately, pick and choose if we want to do this. We can't say, well, Lord, you know, I'll I'll have the promise. I want to be like you uh, in heaven one day. I just, I don't want to be like you now on earth. You know, you can give me all the benefits of, of, uh, uh, of, of Christianity, but, you know, I just want to do what I want to do right now until I get there. No, John says, every single one of us who has this hope will purify ourselves as he is pure. Why do we have hope? Because God loves us this morning. And whether you had a good year or a bad year, whatever you've done or even in your past 23 or seen or done or whatever it might be, God loves you this morning. Maybe there's someone in this room and you're here and you're you're just visiting or you decided to check it out uh, to see what this church was about or what Christianity was about. God extends his love to you this morning and he 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 wants you to be his child. He wants you to have that hope that one of these days you'll be like him. And I would encourage you that if you've never taken that step of faith, that you would do so this morning. But may we who are children of God who call ourselves Christians, May we hold on to this hope. When, when, the, when the year gets gloomy, when we go back to the grind, when the New Year's emotion passes us, may we hold on to the fact that one of these days we will be just like Christ. And may we ask Christ for strength for today to be like him as we look forward to our bright hope that's coming tomorrow. Let us pray. Lord, we are so thankful that as we celebrated last week that you came to die, but that you came for the purpose to die that we would be your children. Thank you that you have loved us so much and I pray that that love would never
become uh, mundane or something that we are so used to that we don't think about. May we admire it, as John says. May we leave here feeling loved by you. Thank you that one of these days we will see you face to face and that we will be just like you. That's a promise that we can hold on to. And thank you that we can take that with us. And I pray that as we are motivated by that, that we would purify ourselves as you are pure. Lord, may you bless our year. May you bless our lives. Would you make us more like you in 2024? In the name of Jesus, amen.